Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Now let's listen to Pastor Dave Crocker. Well, this morning uh, I want to share a... uh a passage of scripture and teach from it that we, we would normally hear in a, in a relationship setting or perhaps at, at a wedding. Uh, you can turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, but as, as I share this passage and we look at it this morning, I, I believe there's something deeper going on than perhaps we, we would typically read when we first look at the passage of scripture. So I want to read from uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and I'll begin in verse uh, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as we the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let me pray. God, I thank you that, God, you love us and you love your church. God, as we unfold these passages this morning, I pray that you would be speaking to us. God, may we grow in our understanding and our faith this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I, I grew up in church. Uh, I, from, uh, from day dot, we were attending church. And uh, for, for most of my life, I've been to church at least once on a Sunday, usually twice and, and sometimes three or four times over a weekend. I, I, I love church. Uh, when I was... Um, uh, younger, in my teenage years, all of my friends were, were at church, even those that didn't start off in church pretty much ended up in church with us. And our world was consumed by church. For us, it wasn't just about coming on a Sunday. We got as involved as we possibly could in, in, in lots of areas of church life. Uh, me and a few friends even uh, formed a band so we could do worship and, and uh, things at youth and uh, and, and events and stuff, and we even released an album, which was exciting. Uh, not that any of you will have ever purchased it or listened to it, but I have a copy available if you'd like. It's only $150. Um, we, we just, we love church. I was 17 years of age when I decided I wanted to become a youth pastor. I didn't know what a youth pastor was. At that time, I never had a youth pastor. I just knew I wanted to work with young people, and I wanted to work for the church. And, and it took me eight years from that first time that, that I, I verbalised that in my life to actually the realisation of it. I went through university, I went to Bible college, came from Bible college uh, into uh, full-time ministry as a youth pastor and since then 
I've, I've been a youth pastor, I've been a kids pastor, I've been an associate pastor, I've been a community pastor, I'm now pastor here of this church. I think the only area of church life that I haven't uh, led as a pastor or worked in was women's ministry. Um, and uh, there's some pretty good reasons for that, which I probably won't go into this morning. I have spoken at a number of women's events, but I, I, I've just, I've loved church. But one of the things that, that I've, I've discovered is that if we're not careful, we can get so lost in doing church that we forget to be the church. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering, what all this church stuff is about, why there are some people who just seem to love to come. And I, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the church is and, and our, our role and, and, and what it's about and why we come and what, what our purpose is. See, I love the word for, for church found in the New Testament. It's the Greek word ecclesia. It means it's a gathering of, of people. It's an assembly. It talks about not the, the building that we meet in, but the people that come together. I love that idea that, that we don't come to church because we are the church. And when we gather together, whether it's here on a Sunday morning or any other time throughout the week, when we gather, we are the church. One thing I'm, I'm trying to do is, is change my language around that a little bit so that I keep it clear in my mind and hopefully clear in our minds that we are the church. So I really shouldn't get up on Sunday morning and say, welcome to church this morning, because technically it's not true. This is a building. I could say, welcome to our service. Welcome to this building. I could say, welcome church, but I shouldn't be saying, welcome to church. So if I do that on a Sunday morning, you have my permission to call me out until such time as we get our language right. When I was talking to Jimmy backstage, I said, can you welcome people this morning? I said, but you can't say welcome to church. You say welcome to our first service of 27. It just don't say welcome to church because that's what I, I was about to talk about. You might wonder what the purpose of church is. Well, the purpose of church, and I'm talking church with a big C, the, the universal or the global church, not, not this particular church, our purpose has always been threefold. Firstly, our purpose is to minister to God. When we gather together, we're to praise and bless the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we begin our services with praise and worship. It's not a concert for us, it's a concert for God. We're here to, to worship him. How many of you know that when we praise our God, when we bless him, things change? And I, I, I get really frustrated when people are critical of worship. You might say, oh, I don't like that song, or you don't sing my favourite songs. Or the, the one that really gets me, and thankfully I, I haven't heard it here in a really, really long time, if ever, is I, just, I didn't get anything out of worship today. But my response, and I've talked about this here before, my response to that's always the same. My response is good. You weren't supposed to get something out of worship. We weren't worshipping you. We were worshipping God that the point of our worship is directed to him, not to ourselves. But because of the grace and the bigness and the blessing of our God, when we do worship him and lift him up, we get, we get blessed in the process. We, we get uh, the impartation of the Holy Spirit as we worship. We get our God showing up. And I've already mentioned the scripture, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. But you're not the point of worship. 
And, and so I get frustrated when, when I hear things like that because I think we miss the point. The point being we're here to worship God. We're here to lift him up. You know, we're lucky to have musicians and singers that can lead us in worship and help create an atmosphere in this place that makes it easy for us to, to step in even when we don't feel like it. But if we didn't have any of this, we'd still be able to worship God. We didn't have any music. We can still worship God because it's not about the singing. It's not about the songs. They help, but it's the hard attitude that we bring to what we're doing. In Psalm 34, David says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his holy name. I reckon David was onto something there because when we magnify something, it means to make it bigger. And, and I want to bless the name of God and I want to magnify the name of Jesus because I want to make him bigger in my world. And as I do that, his presence grows bigger in my life. The reason I, I, I often end up praying for things or problems, sickness at the end of our worship time, I'll often do that, is, is because we serve a, a big God and as we lift up the name of Jesus, our perspective can change. Things can look different in the light of who he is. Our faith can grow. Breakthrough can happen. Maybe a question that you want to ask yourself is, what are you magnifying? You're magnifying the problems in your life or you're magnifying Jesus is the answer. Firstly, it's ministry to God, but secondly, it's also ministry to us as believers. What I'm doing right now is called preaching. The, the biblical word means to proclaim. People all over the world right now are listening as pastors and leaders and, and people in the church are opening the word of God and sharing the truth of what they've found in the word of God. And there's power when we proclaim the truth of God. So the Bible tells us that the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for, for us who are being saved, it's the power of God. We can read God's word and, and it, it may not make sense to some people, but for others, it's like it comes alive. What I love about how this works is sometimes at the end of the service, people will come and, and thank me or give me some encouragement or talk to me about something that they liked from my message. And sometimes they'll tell me I, I said some things that I didn't actually say, but they've heard it, and if it was good, I'll go with it and uh, write it down and maybe share it next time. But the, the, the beauty is because we're all in different places. We're all in different parts of our journey, some in the room, may not yet be walking in relationship with Jesus Christ. Others may have been doing it for, for 50, 60, 70 or more years. Some of us, most of us, will be somewhere in the middle of all of that. And the great thing is, as we share the word of God, God can speak to us about different parts of the message, about different things that are personal and relevant to us. And I guess that's one of my challenges as a preacher when I'm putting my messages together is thinking about where different people might be at. What are the tensions that we're facing or the struggles of where we're at and what does the word of God say about that? I want to try and connect with as many people as possible. I guess it's 
the, the beauty of our, our God who we believe can speak to us when we, we unfold the, the truth of his scripture. It's the difference between the logos, the, the written word of God and that, that rhema, that word that, that is in season at the right time that speaks to us in, in the situation we're facing that can change everything. And that's why I encourage people to take notes when I'm, I'm preaching. Statistics and research have proved that 98% of people who take notes go to heaven. So I want to encourage you to do that. Research has also proved that 74% of statistics are made up. So uh, take what you want from that. The third reason that we gather on a Sunday or as church is for ministry to the world. We gather on, on Sunday but we're supposed to scatter for the rest of the week. As far as time goes, this is a small portion of the available hours that we have in a week, but we're supposed to be the church at work, at school, in our community, in our homes, in our neighbourhoods. We are the church, and the church goes where we go. It was Jesus who said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love that idea that Jesus is giving, that we're supposed to be such a progressive and aggressive church that we're literally rescuing people from hell. We want to be a church that's stepping out into the world, ministering and rescuing people who need saving. And as you study the the word of God and as as you look about at this idea of ecclesia, of church, there's... A few, lot of, well, actually, quite a few different metaphors that the, the authors of particular books of the Bible use to describe the church. Paul uses the metaphor that, that, that we are the body of Christ, that we each have a, a function in that body, and it is we serve, we, we become the body of Christ. He talks about the idea of, of uh, church or us being like a building, that, that we are uh, stones, that, that living stones that come together, and that Christ is the chief cornerstone, we're building this house of God. One of the the metaphors the the Bible uses and the one that I I shared this morning, it's a bit different. We're called the bride of Christ. I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about why we're called the bride of Christ. For a lot of guys, you'd probably be quite happy not to be called the bride of Christ. But it's a metaphor that, that Paul is using in his letter to the church in Ephesus. You know, last year, Kerry and I celebrated 15 years of marriage. And I know some of you got a lot more runs on the board than that, but that was an incredible milestone for us. And and I still remember the first time that I discovered I had feelings for Kerry. I remember the the nervousness of of that, that first conversation with her to tell her how I felt, hoping that she felt the same, but expecting to be rejected. I, I remember... The excitement of those early months, I remember uh, the, how I proposed and, and all the planning that went into pulling off that incredible moment. I, I remember uh, when the, the day of my wedding when I, I turned around and Kerry was walking down the aisle and I remember that I... Oh, <laughs> got to start the year crying, don't we? I remember just my breath being taken away. Oh. Still does. I remember buying our first house. I remember discovering that we were pregnant. I remember that I used to get sleep before children. 
and since then everything's pretty much a blur, but you get the point. My wife is my partner. She's everything to me. Imagine how crazy it would be if he came up to me and said, Dave, man, I love you. I've got your back. I'll always be here for you. Anything you need, anytime you just ask, Dave, you're the man. But I just don't like Kerry. I think you can believe that I'd have a few problems with that statement. How can you say you love me and not like my wife? Yet I've met a lot of Christians who say they love Jesus, but they don't like the church. People can say you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, or church is boring, or it's full of hypocrites. I think if we just stop and think about those phrases for a moment, our perspective might change. Because if we're the bride of Christ, there's no way of saying I love Jesus, but I don't love his bride. Sure, you don't have to go to church to be qualified as a Christian, but come on, if you love Jesus, if you're followers of the ways of, of Christ, why would you not want to go to his church? People say the church is boring. Well, don't say that. Don't ever say that because we're the church and I'm not boring. If church is boring, maybe it's you that's boring and maybe you need to get a bit more excitement in your life. People say church is full of hypocrites. Well, that's the first objection I've ever heard that's actually true. You're dead right church is full of hypocrites because it's full of people and people tend to say one thing and do another. It's the reality of who we are as people and that's why we come to church because we need a saviour. Is anybody thankful that you serve a God who's not a hypocrite? We serve a God who came and saved you and has always lived out what he said he would. The Apostle Paul says, why do I do these things that I do not want to do? And I don't do these things that I do want to do. What's he saying? Basically he's saying, I'm a hypocrite. The stuff I want to do, I don't do. And the stuff I don't want to do, I do do. I need a saviour. You know, I don't come to church to be reminded of my weakness. I come to church to be reminded of his strength. My God's not a hypocrite. My God provides grace so that I can walk out my race. And I want to take a few moments and in the time we've got left to talk about three of the, the benefits or the reasons why I believe that we are called the bride of Christ. First reason is Paul says, husbands, love your wives, like Christ loved the church. I think the first word that, that we need to unpack there is that word intimacy. I believe we're called the bride because God wants intimacy with us. Out of all the things we could be likened to, we're likened to a bride. God is trying to say, that's the type of relationship I want with my church, with my people. I want Intimacy. I love this church. I love the people in this church. I love everything about this place. But the way I love this church is a little bit different to the way I love my wife. What if God's saying to us, he wants to get to know us in a different kind of way. He wants an intimacy with us that's different than we might have expected. I love this idea of intimacy, into me, see, that idea of 
Look at the real me. It's an interesting thing when we're dating is we often date our projected, or the projected self, but we end up marrying the real self. What it means by that is we're trying to put on the very best of who we are to say the right things and do the right things. And I know I did with Kerry. I wanted her to think enough of me that she would say yes when I asked her to marry me. But who knows that once the, the, that's all done and the honeymoon is dusted and the reality of, of marriage and life sets in that sometimes we're fine we're married to a different person than perhaps we thought we were going to be. I'm not saying I, I tricked Kerry, by the way. But I think what God's saying is he's not interested in the projected you. He's not interested in you that comes on a Sunday and lifts up your hands and sings and looks good. He's into the real you. The you that you actually are. I believe that God calls us his bride because he wants to know us and he wants us to know him in an intimate way. Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. And Paul will continue and he'll say, Christ gave himself up for her that we might be holy and blameless, blemish-free, wrinkle-free. It would be a pure bride. I think the first reason we called the bride is for intimacy, but the second reason is protection. As we read this text, it's one of the more controversial passages to share on. It would be a lot easier for me as your pastor not to talk about this particular passage and, 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 and there's a lot of uh, women that don't like the implications of this passage, especially in today's society, but I, I don't have the benefit of picking and choosing scripture that suits. We need to deal with the whole word of God and what it means. But I want us to notice that it says, wives submit to your husband. It doesn't say that women are to submit to men. And it doesn't say that women are to submit to all husbands, but it says women submit to your husband. I know a lot of people get upset about this, but read the next part of the scripture. It says, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So in other words, sure, you have to submit, but as a husband, I have to die. I have to be prepared to, to lay down my life. I don't know who's got the shorter end of that stick, submitting or dying. I don't know. You choose what you're going to get offended to over that. <laughs> Women have to submit to their husbands, but guys have to be prepared to die. See, we both have a responsibility in this passage. And the question becomes, ladies, can you be a girl who's worth dying for? And men... Can you be a husband that's worth submitting to? See, Paul is writing and he's saying Christ loved the church so much that he died for the church. Now, there's a bit of a benefit to being a guy my size. Uh, most people don't try and pick a fight with me. They think better of it and, and avoid that uh, potential outcome of that. But I, I was playing uh, in a Christian soccer league one time just and, and Christian sports is, is like the worst there is as far as uh, any sort of grace and love and, and obeying the rules. And, oh, we're Christians, it'll be okay. Well, no, there's rules, let's abide by them. And some of the most violent things I've seen in a football field have happened in a Christian league. And I was playing this, this one, one game and we're playing a, a Chinese team, not that it matters that they were Chinese, but we, we had a few language issues and, and the game had been quite niggly. And, uh, and things were right on the verge of erupting when one of our players did a horrible tackle on one of their guys. It was horrible. And rather than doing what most soccer players do and rolling around on the ground like you've been run over by an elephant, this guy got up and started throwing punches. 
and pretty much the, the game began to descend into this uh, massive brawl. It happened just outside my box as a goalkeeper, so I went running over, and as I do, I got in the middle and tried to separate people and, and, and stop this fight from getting out of hand, and one of the, the Chinese guys in the team took exception to that and decided that he'd do a spinning kick at my head, but I'm a little bit quicker than he might have assumed I was, and I actually caught him in midair, and I've looked him in the eyes. I said, you might have started this fight, but I guarantee if you continue, I'm going to finish it, and I put him down. And his head dropped, he realised he's on the wrong side of it, and it all just diffused when they realised that there was a six foot three guy and they were all about four foot two. <laughs> but what, I've never been actively in pursuit of a fight in my life. Unfortunately, I've been in a couple, but mark my words, if you mess with my wife, if you come to bring harm to my wife, you better believe that I'm ready, willing, and able to step in the middle of that and do whatever I have to do to protect my wife. She's my responsibility, and I'll do everything I can to protect her, even if it means giving up my life to do it. See, this is how God loves us. God, in so many different ways, at so many different times, has stepped into the gap for us. Many times we don't even know it. I think it's not till we get to heaven, the other side of eternity, that we'll discover how often God has intervened in situations on our behalf. And I reckon that's why when we come to church, we don't come in and wait for the worship team to play our favourite song and pump us up. And We come in and we lift up our hands and we worship our God Because God has shown up so many times and stepped in the gap for you. So this isn't just good preaching, this is good theology. Because right smack in the bang of Ephesians chapter 5, smack bang in the middle is what I meant to say, of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul's giving the gospel. And how do I know that God will protect you? Because he already did. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he walked on this earth and he died a sinner's death. In fact, he died your death and my death on a cruel cross. He died the death to take the punishment of sin. He took the curse of sin upon himself when he died. Guess what? His life protected your life. And now today we're called spotless. We're called blameless. We're called righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. You're a spotless, blemishless, spotless, blemish-free bride. It's called grace. He protected you. Have you ever seen a couple walking hand in hand? Girl's absolutely gorgeous. She's beautiful. And the guy, well, there's a guy and you're wondering how he ever managed to get that girl. And you just start assuming you must have a lot of money or there's something going on here because she is way out of his league. I, I feel like that when I walk with Kerry. It's like, man, people look at me and go, how did you ever get something so good as that? The anointing and blessing of God, pastors, just get it. See, but when the world looks at the church, when they look at us and they see our, our brokenness, and they see our faults, and, and, and they see all the stuff that we do wrong, and our, our hypocrisy. And they see Jesus. They wonder why that guy ever chose us. 
That's called the scandal of grace. He chose me. He's way out of my league, but he chose me. He protected me. Today, I'm here and I'm blemish-free. I'm wrinkle-free. I'm a spotless bride, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. He chose me. He chose you. He's out of your league, but he chose you anyway. I think the first reason we call the bride is intimacy. The second reason called the bride is for protection. And the last reason Paul continues to write and he says, at an appointed time a man will leave his mother and father. He'll be united to a woman and they will become one flesh. And he says this, this is a profound mystery, but I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. First intimacy, second protection. And the third reason we're called the bride is because we have the rights of Jesus Christ. We are one with Jesus. Reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8. As if we're willing to share in Christ's suffering, we'll also share in his glory. And I have good news today for the church of Jesus Christ represented in this room. Because of Jesus, because we can put our faith and our trust in him, we obtain the same rights that he did. Today we're the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And when we pray, according to the book of James, the prayer of righteous people is powerful and effective and it accomplishes much. Aren't you thankful today you're not standing in your own righteousness, but you're standing in his righteousness? You have the same rights as Jesus. Worship team, you come join me. When you pray, God hears the prayers of Jesus because you have rights today. Let's not get so lost in doing church. We forget that we're supposed to be the church. We know who we are. We're the ecclesia, the gathering of believers. And this building can fall down and we can be standing in a rubble and we can still be the church. We're his bride. And he's seeking intimacy with you. He brings protection, stepped in the gap, sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you and for me. Scandal of grace, as I've said, you didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. You can't earn it, but he'll give it anyway. And all we need to do is respond to that message. Say, Jesus, I choose you. I choose your way. And we stand in his righteousness. None of us can make ourselves right. Throughout history, man's tried that. It's called religion and it doesn't work. But the offer of relationship with the created God who sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. He isn't a painting on a wall. He isn't a statue on a mantelpiece. He's the saviour of the empty grave. This man that came as a baby to this earth, lived life as a man who gave up all that he had so that he could die sinless, blameless to take our sin upon his shoulders. God, I thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. 
Thank you, God, that you seek intimacy with us. God, you desire that relationship. God, that may this be the year where we respond and seek intimacy with you. God, may we step into who we are and what we are in ways that we've never done it before. God, may you stir in our hearts, may you fan into flame the spirit inside us. God, that we would seek you with all that we are. God, we would understand that we are forgiven, we are clean, blameless, wrinkle-free, a spotless bride presented to you. God, we thank you for that image. As people often say, woman doesn't look more beautiful than the day of her wedding. God, that's how you see us. So beautiful because of Jesus Christ, because of grace. So God, we say thank you. God, we love you and we worship you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org.